Welcome to the Growth Enablement Madness Podcast, and I'm Jim Ward, your host, CEO of BrainCell, the growth enablement company. I'm absolutely mad about helping businesses grow and scale. And in this podcast, my team and I get a chance to talk shop with industry thought leaders about a variety of growth enablement strategies, stories, and technology trends. I'm happy that you're here, so let's get the growth conversation started. Welcome, everybody. This is Jim Ward. I'm CEO of BrainCell, and we are here to do the Growth Enablement Madness podcast because we're mad about growth and scale. And we have a tremendous guest with us today, and we've spoken before. She is an author. She's considered the number four sales guru. Number four sales guru, Lisa McLeod. Coming in at number four, not number one yet, but still have something to offer. <laughs> we believe in you, Lisa. You can do this. Next year, you'll be back, number one. Yes, you number will. Number one. I'm saying the hardest part is just getting on the list in general. <laughs> yeah, you're on, well, that's, you're on the list. I'm on the list. So I will tell you, fun fact, I was sitting in a room about a decade ago, and I was in a program for authors on how to be a thought leader. And we made a list of like the 10 thought leaders that you admire. And I said, my goal is to be on that list. And didn't know it was going to take a decade, but got on the list. That's what it takes is telling the universe what you want. It will come to you if you want it bad enough. So I love that. That's a great point. But Lisa... You are a tremendous author of which your books are required reading. I don't know if you knew that in our company. Yep, they get sent out to every new employee or new team member. I don't even like to use the word employee. We certainly don't like to use the word boss, but every new team member gets your book and they, it's a must read. Which one do you send them? Well, they get Selling with a Noble Purpose, but we also have Leadership. Uh, it's called uh, Selling with, what is it? Uh, not Selling, it's uh, Noble Leading Leader. with Noble Purpose. Leading with Noble no, Purpose. I'm super so creative sorry, I on that, second title. Yeah. But that was really good. It's consistent, right? So um, all branded. Yeah. And I noticed that you had a second edition, but it was an audible only. Was there something changed in the new audible and the selling with a noble purpose? The second edition is not just an audible now. It is in hardcover. I think in the beginning, supply chain, whatever, there it was just in audible, but it is now hardcover and on Kindle and on Audible. And I'll tell you what changed. When I originally wrote Selling with Noble Purpose, you know that it is based on the research that we've done that shows, without a doubt, salespeople whose true north, whose noble purpose is improving life for the customer, outsell salespeople focused on targets and quotas. And so that book kind of went the opposite from what most sales leadership focus on, which is hit the target, hit the target, hit the target. And oh, secondarily, we're supposed to be nice to the customers. This reverses the order. But the reason we did a second edition of the book was we learned so much in implementing this over a 10-year period with about 50 different companies. So I want to give you a little bit of credit here. Do you know about, I think it was probably four or five years ago when we first spoke and we read the book, our leadership team read it, then it became required reading. It is one of the reasons why we evolved the company to a growth enablement company. And the concept of growth enablement for us is to, how is a company going to be better by doing business with us? And that every proposal, that everything we do has to have that noble purpose. And that changed the conversation for us. And so for those folks who are out there getting the traditional sales training, which is fine, but this flips it on its head and I think gives you more strategic purpose in selling. So maybe with that, you can tell me a little bit of a context of what is noble purpose to you? What does it mean? So you asked and you continue to answer the fundamental question 
which is how is the customer going to be different as a result of doing business with us? And what I found, I had a long time history in sales training and any good sales training that you go through is going to say, focus on the customer, but they tend to say it in generic terms, find out what the customer wants, focus on the customer, give them what they need. All well and good, but there are two distinct problems with that. The first problem is everything in the sales world, everything in the seller's sight line says the opposite of that. So you go to sales training, focus on the customer, focus on the customer, you get back, what's all the conversation? When are you going to hit the number? How many leads you got in the pipeline? All these things. Those metrics matter, but they are lagging indicators. The leading indicator is the behavior of the seller. And so what I realized was, Everything in the sales ecosystem is pointed towards a very transactional approach. Hit the number, hit the number, hit the number. And what happens is it erodes differentiation. It promotes the very worst sales behaviors. A whole host of things happen. So I knew we have to change the true north for a sales team. So that was the first thing, which was we have to point the true north to how are we making a difference to customers? That brings me to the second issue, which is when you ask what noble purpose is. Noble purpose is a clear articulation of how you improve life for customers. And what most customer centricity does is it's vague and nonspecific. So compare the difference between me saying, we want to be helpful to customers. We want to give customers what they need. We want to listen to our customers. We want to lean in. That's all better than saying we want to screw our customers over. But it's not nearly as good as saying, we are going to be a growth enablement company. Every single thing we do is going to enable the growth of our customers. Every conversation, how are we doing that? Every proposal, how are we doing that? Every implementation. So what Noble Purpose is, is a clear articulation of how you're going to make a difference to customers. It becomes the true north for your sales team. And then everything they're doing is lined up with that. And now we have overwhelming evidence that if you follow this, a couple of things will happen. Three really important things. You'll have more competitive differentiation in the market. You'll have more emotional engagement from your sellers and the numbers follow. It couldn't be more true. And I want to tell all the sales veterans out there or anybody involved with sales, if you want to improve your differentiation and if you're dealing in a marketplace where there's significant brand. So let's say, for example, you're selling into a market and your competitors have heavy brand. You know how to get rid of the brand? When I call them brand washed right? That the buyer is brand washed. They're making decisions based on marketing, spend, et cetera. If you want to make that differentiation for yourself, stop talking about the branded product. Talk about the outcomes for the individual. Start shifting that conversation. So we always say here now, because we do have a portfolio of software, obviously, and consulting services, but the general discussion is we sell outcomes. If we don't see an outcome, then there's no reason for us to be talking. We have to get a client to the outcome. And I should have sent you a feather. You know what I would have sent the feather for? What? So you got to put it in your cap because you deserve <laughs> a feather in your cap for helping us get here. Big fan of all that you write and all the things you talk about. Well, I'm very appreciative because you all really took it to heart, both the spirit of it and the practicality. And the spirit of selling with noble purpose makes sense to most people. What we did in the second edition of the book was got really nitty gritty practical. Also wrote it for ADD sales leaders, because I am one, so that you can just jump from topic to topic. But we got into how do you do your pipeline reviews? How do you do your pre-call coaching? 
how do you do your strategy meetings? Because all of those are currently in most organizations animated by the true north of hitting the numbers. And when you shift that and you animate it with the true north of improving life for customers, you make an entirely different set of decisions. Everything from the way your seller opens a call to the big strategic decisions that you make as an organization about target markets and which products to pursue and which ones not to. And imagine that, right? Imagine if you are always thinking about how your customer is going to be better, well, then do you have to worry about your own personal business anymore? Because aren't they great referrals at that point? That's the other thing. There's a very famous study from EY that showed that when a company puts this noble purpose into practice, not only do they win more deals and win them at higher margins because they differentiated, but all their deals become stickier. They have greater customer engagement. And it's, it's really for two reasons. When you operate with this true north of noble purpose, and a lot of people think it means ESG or being a good corporate citizen, and I'm all in for those, but that's not what this is about. This is about the true north of making a difference to customers. And when you operate from that level, two things happen. At a big strategic level, you make different decisions about product development. When you're sitting in a room saying, how can we improve life for customers? Let's give an example that we use in the book, monster.com started, how can we improve life for customers? Became, how can we make more money next quarter? LinkedIn sitting in a room saying, how can we create opportunity for every member of the global workforce? Well, we know who won that battle. And so when you have this true north of improving life for customers, you make different strategic decisions. And it also ripples all the way down to the way your people are interacting with customers and customers can feel the difference. So it's not just a sales initiative, right? Because you have written this book, Leading with a Noble Purpose, and very creative, by the way, again, on that title. No, I'm just, I was joking. I think it's a great title. So tell me a little bit about Leading with a Noble Purpose. So I'll give you a before and after. You have experienced a before and after yourself. And what that concept did, I would suggest, was take what you probably already felt in your heart and showed you how to activate it in your business because you were probably already feeling that way. I'll give you a different example. We have a company called CMIT. They are a franchise organization that does IT for small businesses. And they adopted this. They've since been bought out, sold for a huge multiple, had amazing growth with franchisees all around the country. So imagine all of these IT franchisees And they're going into businesses saying, we can help you with your IT. We've got all this expertise. We can do this for you. We can do that for you. Bunch of well-intended people. When they shifted and came up with this noble purpose, and the noble purpose wasn't the sexiest thing. It was simply, we help make small businesses more successful. That was it. But what happened was now you have every single person in the entire company is saying, We help make small businesses more successful. How does my role help small businesses become more successful? So it's kind of like the difference between a teacher going in every day and saying, my job is to manage this classroom and help them hit these test scores versus a teacher going in saying, I'm here to create future citizens. Like we all know which one's going to be a better teacher and which classroom's going to be more interesting. And also the data tells us which test scores are going to be better. So the whole company went from 
We provide IT services, which is an internal focus. Again, nice people trying to do a good job. They were successful. But when they shifted and they said, we're here to make small businesses more successful, they drove innovation. They drove better sales behavior. Everybody behind the scenes knew how their job connected. And they had record growth. They started this process in the 2009 recession, grew exponentially during that time, and a couple of years ago sold for a huge multiple because they had all of these very large contracts that just renewed and renewed and renewed because it became a virtual self-fulfilling cycle. Yeah, I can see how that would happen. I'm very curious about the leadership noble purpose. Are there certain characteristics that you find with leaders or something that they should employ in their leadership skills? Yeah, there's a couple of things. And we could go on about authenticity and it's not all about you. That's like leadership 101. If you still need that, you got to figure out your problem with your ego. But here are a couple of things that leaders can do that they typically don't do. So number one, every organization needs a through line to how they're making a difference to customers. Because Companies now are trying to do a better job of being a destination employer and diversity, equity, and inclusion and bring your whole self to work. And all of those things are really important. But when people come to work, they have two basic needs, belonging and significance. And all of those things around a more open workplace, around giving people yoga at work, and all those things about creating a great work environment, they will fuel that sense of belonging. The second piece, significance, people need to know that their work matters, that they are having an impact. And the way you do that in a company is with a through line to how we're improving life for customers. And so they need both of those things. So I think a lot of well-intended companies have made the employee the true north. And I have a definite point of view on this. I believe that the customer is the true north. And that doesn't mean you're all indentured servants to the customers. It means I got to treat you well. I got to make sure you have good work-life integration. I want to make sure you feel great and all of that. But I want everyone in the business to be clear that we are doing something important for our customers because that's where people get that sense of significance. So that's the first thing that leaders can do is say, how does this company make a difference to customers? And I promise you, if people are buying from you, you do. The second thing that you can do is you can tell customer impact stories because one of the challenges that a lot of organizations have is particularly when we're virtual, the backstage people just feel like they're moving the widget from A to B or taking the report from here to here, and they don't have that through line. And so it's really incumbent on leaders to talk about how our software is actually improving life for someone sitting at their desk trying to get their work done, how our widgets are helping people do things faster. So when you tell these customer impact stories, what it does is it animates the work and it brings a customer to life for everyone. Excellent. So when you say through line, Lisa, define for me through line, maybe talk to me like I'm a (laughs) five-year-old. So for the five-year-old, imagine three circles. And actually, you know what that phrase- You're getting a little complex there, okay? Yeah. Actually, talk (laughs) to me like a five-year-old actually means, please explain this in simple English. 
And I think when it's our area of expertise, we ought to be able to explain it in simple English. So in a highly successful company, people are clear on three things. One, they have absolute clarity about how the company makes a difference. The impact the company has, whether it's helping small businesses be more successful, Hilton's purpose is filling the earth with the light and warmth of hospitality, however concrete, however aspirational, everyone should have clarity on the purpose. The second thing every employee needs is clarity about how their role plays a part. So we got this big aspirational purpose and everybody should know how their job connects to it. Those two things are absolutely crucial. But there's a third thing that a lot of leaders miss, and it's a personal connection to it. And the reason leaders miss this is because they think purpose is a comms strategy and that they need to just communicate it down and get everyone to understand it, but it is actually an engagement strategy. And when I say the personal connection, one of the things we do when we work with organizations is we create toolkits so that it goes all the way down to the frontline leader and their staff. And they have the chance to talk about, we'll go back to the example I used earlier, why does making small businesses more successful matter to you? And everybody's going to have a different story about that. Some people will say, my dad was a small business owner and his life sucked. He never came home at night. So I want to help people like that. Somebody else is going to say, I admire people who start small businesses. Someone else is going to say, small business is a way to make the American dream come true. You don't have to have an education. You know, everyone's going to have a different reason. But the mistake that leaders make is they try and mandate down. And in actuality, what you want to do is show people, here's why our purpose matters to the world. You want to help them establish the through line, your job, here's how your job contributes, belonging and significance. But then you want to create the space that can only be done in conversation with why does this matter to you? Because what you're doing is you are creating an emotional tether that will increase their resilience and keep them connected to you so that on their tough days, they don't give up or take a recruiter call. Got it. Now I have a memory that came back two blocks ago when we were traveling down <laughs> to the bike because of my memory, but I was, I know what I was thinking. It was, you had said the true North is the customer. The outcome for customers is really, I think what it boils down to, but is it possible to have multi-factor authorization here in this case or two true Norths? Because I do believe, and this is how I started the business, which was focused on the team members that their well-being, that they're being successful, et cetera. And then, of course, with your introduction of Noble Purpose became the outcome to the clients. But I still feel that those two, if your team members are happy, then that also helps with the happiness of creating an outcome for the client. So does that make sense what I just said? Is it it, a dual purpose sort of? And one of the challenges we face in organizations where the true north is the customer is it's really easy for people to feel like indentured servants to the customer. And well, the customer's always right. Well, actually, the customer is not always right. You have your area of expertise, and sometimes you do know more than them. And that's not said in an arrogant way or anything like that. But I'll give you an example of why specificity about customer impact 
matters and the connection between that and employees. So this is a case study in the book, in the new Selling with Noble Purpose book, and it's Mars versus Purina, Mars Pet Care versus Purina. So everyone knows Purina has been in the pet food business forever. We all know the brand. Well, Mars was the lesser player. Both companies established purpose statements. Purina's was better with pets, was their purpose. Mars was a better world for pets. While these, there was a Harvard Business Review article that said these two were similar. And I was just reading it and my hair was on fire because I was thinking they're not similar. They're not similar at all. Because, and this is where the employees come in. Better with pets is a slogan. Life's better with pets. We like pets. Blah, blah. It's nice. A better world for pets is a stake in the ground and the gauntlet has been laid. We got to create a better world for pets. Anyhow, because of that, Mars made a lot of different decisions. They got into pet health, better world for pets, got to do this. And they ended up taking on rival Purina and winning. Who was the big dog? Get it? <laughs> that was good. That, that okay. was in the category of dead. Oh, stop. That was no, dead. Compliments and all that stuff. Um, but- but, but you know, yeah. you, you just brought into a great segue. You said the Harvard Business Review, you were reading an article. Well, you wrote an article that's been picked up by the Harvard Business Review. And I think this is a great place for taking Allie and O'Brien who have experienced remote work because of our pandemic to perhaps talk about and ask some questions regarding the article. Are you prepared, Allie and Brian? Yeah. As prepared as I will ever be. But happy, okay. happy to talk. Well, take it over. <laughs> Let's hear some questions about the remote, because I'm interested in your perspectives. That's why. Yeah. So the article is about losing touch with customer needs in the aftermath of the pandemic. So I'd love to hear you just talk a little bit about how we ensure as people who are serving our customers that we don't lose touch with. Well, and we'll go back to a better world for pets. If you are some researcher and you're sitting there doing your thing or you're a marketing person putting out messages or an accounting person, if you were coming into the office and we had all these pictures of pets that were healthier because of us, we were having meetings and they're probably the kind of company that brings in pets to the meetings. I don't know. I would think so. But you're having this visual representation of how you're making a difference. But when you go home, everybody's the same on Zoom. It's sort of like the great equalizer. There's the CEO, there's a customer, there's my kid's teacher. They all look the same to me. And so the responsibility is twofold. One, it is a responsibility of leaders to start bringing customers. Everyone's still going to be remote. Bring customers into your Zoom meetings. Talk about how your solution, your product made a difference to them not just from a use case, but like, here's what this enabled us to do. You got to create that tether. As an employee, though, it's not all on the leaders. One of the things we teach people is what we call the art of the frame. And the frame is the mental construct that you put on your work. I mentioned earlier in this session, the teacher who goes in saying, got to hit the test scores, got to hit the test scores, versus the teacher that takes a breath in the parking lot and says, I'm here to create future citizens. So part of what we need to do as employees, and I'm an employee of my own company, so it's the onus is on me to do it for myself, is to take that minute and say, what's the through line of my work? We call it the ripple effect. 
when I do my work well, who benefits? When I do my work poorly, what's the cost? So that I can create that mental frame for myself. Because we know that when you do that, two things will happen. You will enjoy your job more and you will do it better. It's kind of the difference between what we say at the end of a day, being that sort of bored and exhausted, that was a day versus being what we call the good tired, where you go, well, that was a day, but man, we really, we did something today. We Um, nailed it today. We helped folks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I remember us all being in the office together. And one of the things that we'd kind of, that we would do if somebody closed the deal is bang the gong, (laughs) you know, just make a little noise. Everyone would clap, but there's something about being in the office and getting that collaboration. Sure. We can tell each other remotely. I feel good about this, but to be able to immediately give that the feedback about how he helped and why it feels good, what the accomplishment was and what the outcome will be for the customer for having done business with us. I think that you lose that a little bit in the moment when you're remote. You do. And let's not make like this is this easy solution and it's going to fix everything because it's not. What a sense of long-term purpose will do for you is it will give you serotonin, which is a very important brain chemical. It will not give you dopamine. And dopamine is why you can't stay focused on your work. You keep checking on Instagram. So the more that we can get dopamines like the quick one. And when people did the gong, even if it wasn't my gong, that energy created dopamine. And people miss it. We miss it a lot. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel very called out right now. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. You know what I miss too is the body language that you miss when you're in front of somebody. Also, it's like going out and meeting with a client face-to-face. The relationship from there on after changes because you've gotten the, the, all the senses were involved. You got to see the body language. And it's the same thing here in the office. I get to read how people are feeling a little bit differently and are they happier today? Are they healthy today? Or, or when we come in and talk about what we've done in a success story, the success, and we do that in our sales meetings, what impact we had for clients and everybody's, they're animated and you can see that personally. It's very exciting. So I can see the difference. But at the same time, I'd say that remote work has also been a part of why we've expanded because we no longer have to worry about geo hiring. We can hire wherever. And it's increased who, because if you were just, if I was just hiring in the Massachusetts local marketplace, well, the pool is very small. So it's really helped us as a company. It's just a new paradigm. And I think one of the things that I'm seeing, because I'm doing a lot of remote coaching and training and consulting, but I will tell you when people come together for a meeting, I just went to one. It's awesome. No one is ever going to take that annual sales conference for granted again. The leaders have spent time thinking about how they're going to bring people together. There's no more, let's go through all the accounting PowerPoints because we can do that on Zoom. The gatherings are very intentional. People are like, oh, this food is so great. Oh, it's so great to see you. And so I think it's some of the things that we maybe weren't that intentional about that we did take for granted have now become better than they've ever been. I'm saying to sound like bragging, I don't mean it to be, but we hit a mile marker here at Brain Cell and we all went to Puerto Rico for a vacation together. 
every single person, including new employees who had never been here for a few days and but a few days. Who are never going to leave now. <laughs> that would be wonderful. That would be hopeful. <laughs> and of course, I want the best for everybody. So I want them to do what's right for their lives. But hopefully that they can be a part of this noble purpose that I believe we're helping others uh, improve their businesses. There's nothing more exciting about that. But I'm going to ask you one other question that we're going to move to something that is uh, questions that we did not prep you on. And so um, exactly fear. That's the eye that I wanted to see was fear in the eyes. Exactly. Oh, that um, wasn't fear. That was me mocking you. But mocking fear. What's the difference? <laughs> Get to the mice after this, Jim. So, <laughs> no, okay. After I said that, misstep. Now I am afraid. Okay, continue. Okay. <laughs> so um, maybe one thing. What is one thing? that you would share with the listeners for business leaders looking to grow and scale their business? What is the one thing they could perhaps do that would help them do that, help them grow and scale their business from your perspective, noble purpose? Ask and answer the game-changing question. How will customers be different as a result of doing business with us? Your clarity about that becomes the centerpiece of your business. When you have clarity about that, Everything that you scale and try to elevate when it comes off of that will be better than if you started with, I want to 10X my business. And that's funny. You should say that because everything we do now from a strategic decision is, well, how is this going to impact customer? How will they get better because of it? So every decision, every technology, we've even created something for brain cell labs to review technologies that actually they have to go through a rubric. And is it going to help improve? Is it going to, that's not really going to, where the hell I learned how to speak. Is it going to help the customer be better? So yeah. And that becomes that when you can get clarity on that as a leader, I mean, we have helped some companies become unicorns, like no joke. And in a very short period of time, because of their clarity about that. And I should also mention, you don't have to necessarily be that different or that much better than your competitor. But if your team has clarity about that and your competitor thinks they're just selling stuff and trying to 10X, you will win. Absolutely true. Amen. That brings us to my favorite part of the podcast. And it's something called we call techtainment. So I'm going to let Brian Anderson ask you a question first. Yeah, I'm going to throw a really big curveball at you. So when it comes to purchases you've made in your life, what are the best and worst purchases you've ever made? So the single worst purchase I ever made, the worst, 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 worst purchase I ever made was in 2008, my husband and I bought a small manufacturing company with overstated financials and it ended up in a personal bankruptcy. So, oh, it's the single, so it was a bad one. I mean, I've bought some bad shoes and some bad outfits, you know, bought an uncomfortable couch, but the number of zeros <laughs> in that purchase on what it cost me over a decade, single worst purchase I ever made. Only one yeah, yeah, single worst one. I'm surprised that was over bad shoes, but anyways. Yeah, that was not, yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. It takes a lot of bad shoes to add up to yeah, that. Yeah, it one. does, yeah, it does. But you learned a lot. You learned a ton. I learned a ton. So I say it was the worst purchase I ever made. Learned a ton, know a lot about due diligence now. And it actually gave me confidence coming out of that because I almost saved that shit show. And I thought if I was starting underwater with this and almost saved it during a recession, 
what could I do during good circumstances? And the best purchase I ever made paid for college for my two kids. That's great. Best purchase I ever made. What it did for them to graduate from college with no debt. And I realized that everyone does not have that luxury. Yeah, right. Very fortunate. And they know it. (laughs) And they had jobs while they were there. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of that, for folks who, uh, and it's difficult out there to get an education, it's very expensive, but I always would tell folks, opt for uh, your state education, get a good education, whatever it be, because you know what the one thing they can't take away from you? They can take your money. You can make a bad decision on the business and you can lose money, but they can never take your education away. And that education that you have, Lisa, is what made that a positive, not a negative, because I guarantee you, you learned a ton from it and you've continued to evolve as a human being, as a business person, et cetera. So education, education, education. You don't have to go to Harvard. You don't. And that I did not. I'm proud University of Georgia graduate. And I got in back when it was easy. But I will also say that the landscape is changing. And that if you can't afford to go to college, there are certifications you can get online. There are other things that you can do. You don't need to be limited to this traditional college orientation. And you talk about education. I will honestly say I learned more from that business loss than I did from most of my classes. And the thing that I learned the most, and we were really, when things are bad and you're struggling to make payroll, you don't have a lot to engage your employees. And one of the things that I really saw loud and clear, it was a challenging company, tough environment, blue collar company, but I saw how much people want to feel valued and feel meaning in their work and what people will do for their company and their customers if they feel valued. So I learned a lot. And to your point about education, it, you don't have to take the traditional road. There are so many things you could do that are different. It's all about continuous improvement, regardless of the form it takes, whether it's college, whether it's technical school, whether it's reading a ton of books consistently and keeping your, your ax sharp, something we talk about here all the time. And, and you can read, 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 implement, try, and you've got your college education before you know it. That's right. I mean, I look at the books I've written and the amount of research and working with companies that went into those, you don't have to do all that. I did it for you. You did this on purpose. You brought it all the way back. I didn't even realize what you were doing to me. You brought it all the way back to the books you've written. See? Well, and how much we've that learned. isn't actually what I meant to do. No, I know. I'm just because kidding. Because I will also tell joking. you that I learned how to parent my children from books. And it wasn't just parenting books. I read books of people I really admired and looked at what they said about their parents. But seriously, I do, I was joking, but I do mean that. Think about that. The books that we've read, yours is one of our absolute must-reads, goes out in every employment package. Folks must read the book. So you can get your education through reading, consistent reading and consistent improvement. That leads me to, uh, let's see, who asked the question last? It was Brian. It was, yeah, yeah, it was Allie. Me. No, go ahead. I yeah, go ahead. too, but I'm, I'm just wondering if it's the same exact answer. <laughs> My question was going to be, what is the worst thing you've ever done? Maybe you can think of another. <laughs> the worst hey, thing. Hey, this is I've a family done? show. I just want to point that out. That uh, <laughs> is no. this the dumbest thing I've ever done, or the I like worst? that, <laughs> or something like what is something you'd never do again? And yeah, obviously, oh, I'll that- tell you something I will never do again. I will never again wear stilettos for an entire day. That was one of the dumbest things I've ever done. <laughs> I, you know, carry Bradshaw myself into foot and leg problems. So I. Remember one moment when I had worn these great stilettos on stage, given a great program, adrenaline's going so you don't feel a thing. And then I went and sat down 
And I was sitting there, I like spoke before lunch and then there was lunch and the head of sales came up to me and said, our CEO was in the room when you did that. And he wants to meet with you. He's got a conference room that was like up the stairs, down the hall and all. And I'm sitting there with my little legs crossed and my little stilettos. And I was like, shit, I don't even want to walk up there. That was like my first, my body just said, no, I can't go. I can't go. He's like the CEO of this multinational company. And my body is answering before my brain has time. And then my little brain kicks in and I'm like, Lisa Earl McLeod, you have just compromised your business for shoes, for shoes. You have just cost yourself an opportunity for shoes. And so that's when I kind of muscled it through and hobbled my way over there. But I thought, Never again am I doing this. This is the dumbest thing. And in the pandemic, I also decided I'm done with Spanx too. I'm a middle-aged woman. Y'all are just going to have to deal with it. I'm a middle-aged woman (laughs) that wears chunky platform shoes and does not wear Spanx anymore. God loves Sarah Blakely. Yeah, she's got other products. I love your honesty. billionaire in America, but I'm not wearing the Spanx stuff. They've got really good jeans. I love their pants. (laughs) I love Spanx. This is no disregard to Spanx. But all that tight stuff that's like squeezing you. I mean, I thought back to like ancient China where they used to bind the women back to the Victorian age where women had like corsets and they couldn't breathe. And I was like, shit, I've done that to myself. What the hell? I'm not doing that anymore. So you might have a future name. in stand-up comedy, by the way. <laughs> Just saying. All right, here comes my question. Okay. What's the thing you like that creeps other people out? I'll tell you something that I do specifically that people find really creepy and is very interesting to me is I will get underneath what someone means about something and it really creeps people out. So if someone says something like, you know, I guess I'm not very good at that or someone will say, oh yeah, I'm always messing up. I'll like lean in and go, why do you talk to yourself that way? Is there something in your background that makes you think that? And oh my God. Like, Oh my God, (laughs) especially if you do it at parties, they'll be like, who invited her? Her, She's the worst. She's a therapist. Right. She must be a therapist. therapist, Because a therapist will be like nice about it. Oh, I'm not nice at all. I'm just like right to the moment. Hope she's not drinking when she's asking these questions. (laughs) Oh, well, you know what's worse? I quit drinking about two, three years ago. And I got worse, worse or better at it, depending on your point of view. Because right. now I'm like dead on sober. Yeah. And Shocked I, about it. <laughs> I will hear the little catch in someone's voice. And it could be some self-deprecating thing. It could be something that I hear they're afraid of. And I had one guy said, are you a witch? <laughs> and he had been drinking. And I said, I am. Mm. Does that make you want to know me more? Or less. or less, right? I think the answer was less, but oh well. <laughs> he, well he was running away. <laughs> yes. Well, listen, uh, we're coming to the end of our podcast. So, what's up next for you? Get anything on your roadmap? I do have something on my roadmap, and it is I have two things on my roadmap. Uh, one is very specific, and one is very vague. So, the thing that's vague is I do have another book bubbling in me, and. I think it's in the Noble Purpose series, but I think it's the Noble Purpose Life because I think that as more and more people want to integrate all the aspects of their life, 
I'm finally now to the stage where I've been married for a very long time. I've been a parent for a very long time. My children are out walking around as educated people who function in society. So I feel like I have something to say about that. So that's the thing that's kind of vague, the noble purpose life. I think that's a really good idea because, you know, one of the things that I thought about one time was there is no school for parents. There is no academy and that you have the wisdom. I've brought up a child, you know, who's 30 now, just got married, by the way. And so we have wisdom that we can share with folks who are going through the same journey. And I think that noble purpose story would be a great story for you to tell. And some of it's what to do and some of it's what not to do. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it's about how to treat yourself. And and so I feel like the noble purpose life, I've been thinking there's like a couple of key principles in it. One is the way you interact with others, obviously. Another is your self-talk. And another is your time. And frankly, I had not been discerning enough with my time at the young age. So the book's sort of still a whirl in my head. The other thing that's on my roadmap, and I'm going to say this publicly, which is very, very specific. We have seen, as you have indicated, that selling with noble purpose, the methodology, the techniques, we have seen that it transforms companies. Right. Literally transformed ours. So thank you for that. And we've seen it in a lot of other places. And what I want to do is I want an army of people doing that. So a lot of people that we know in this space, Stephen Covey, Tom Peters, they staff up, they add a lot of people, they do all that. I don't want to do that. I want a partner to come forth where my IP and my models and everything we do would be complimentary and they then are out there selling it. So I could just go around and speak about it. And I'm great in the C-suite and getting it to 90% closed that you work out the details. So that's where my aim is, which is very specific. So I'm putting that out to the universe. I have made space for the right partner to come in. Gino Wickman, did you hear that? Gino Wickman, the author of Attraction, would be a great partner for you, perhaps, or others like that, right? And they're already doing that with a, with a franchise consultants across the world or country or whatever. I love Traction. I love that. Model. Yeah, that's the other required reading for us here in the company. So that's the great stuff that's on your roadmap. I'm excited to see where you go with all this. But you know what? You're always such a great guest to have on. And I always enjoy speaking with you and uh, you're a wealth of information. And I want to thank you personally for helping us transform our business because we're better for it. So I truly mean that. Uh, Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. I'm going to get emotional because I do live for these moments to know that it it mattered to somebody and it helped them. Good. I'm glad. And emotion's great. I always tell folks it's okay. Okay to be emotional and vulnerable. So, uh, hey, I want to thank all our listeners. You can find our podcast, Growth Enablement Madness, because we're mad about growth. Uh, wherever these podcasts are found on the podcast, what is it? The, the Google's, the the, the Instagram, what is it? Oh, yeah. literally, literally everywhere, Jim. Literally, literally everywhere. everywhere. Okay, so listen up, um, you know, share it with your friends. And what we want to do is bring to you information that you might not have heard before. You've gotten to hear Lisa McLeod, who is uh, author of Leading with a Noble Purpose. She's got a future of all kinds of ideas. Go get her book because it was a transformational thing for us here at Brain Cell. Thank you, Lisa, very much. And we look forward to talking to you soon. Bye, folks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Growth Enablement Madness podcast. I also want to thank 
Divinio Podcast for this episode's production and distribution. Finally, thank you to Sam Ward for our musical introduction and outro. Be sure to check out all of our episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. New episodes are available monthly and cover all important topics for growing and scaling your business. Until next time, this is Jim Ward signing off. Let's grow. Let's grow.